Good morning, everyone. This is Rob McDougall from Zank Financial here with your weekly economic update. Today is Tuesday, January 9th. Normally, we do this on Monday. No holiday excuse this week. However, we did have to wait to find out the outcome of the national championship of the college football world. And of course, that title went to the Michigan Wolverines. Go blue. I had to pull that in. So, economic activity last week. Uh, what we're looking for, data points that the economy is decelerating without going into recession, such that it will allow the Federal Reserve to bring down interest rates after a historic <coughs> raising campaign over the last 18 months. So, what we're hoping to see again, slower growth, but continued GDP growth, something slower than we saw in the third quarter, which was GDP growth of 4.9%, which is really unsustainable. So economic activity that we saw last week, we'll start off with the ISM manufacturing index. We have mentioned many times on this podcast, US manufacturing is in a recession. This indicator has not been over 50 in two years, uh, nearly two years. Uh, so the expectation coming into last week, Wednesday, is that it would come in at 47.1. It came in at 47.4. But the point is, it has been in contraction territory for at least 18 months. So that happened on Wednesday. On Friday last week, we got a glut of information, very uh, market-moving information, non-farm payrolls, unemployment rate, average hourly earnings, and ISM non-manufacturing. We'll just pick out the ones that are important. So number one, the non-farm payroll numbers came in on Friday, and it was well above expectation. Consensus was 170,000. It came in at 216,000. So if you're looking for slower growth and less wage push, um, potential increase, that would be negative. However, the revisions to the prior two months totaled negative 71,000. So I'm not really impressed by that 216 because when you put those three together, it's actually a number that would have come in below consensus. So uh, the headline number, I think, is misleading there. And I have to point out that these revisions are getting a bit ridiculous. Uh, you would expect a revision to 50% chance it's going to be revised up, 50% chance it's going to be revised down. Out of the last year, 11 months in a row, all the revisions are negative. So what is happening is we're posting higher job numbers and then very quietly the next two months we're revising that number down, having less confidence in these labor numbers. Uh, so non-farm payrolls, in our opinion, uh, not that not as strong as they look, number one. Number two, uh, average hourly earnings. Actually, that was a little bit negative and uh, the expectation was a 0.3 increase. The increase was 0.4. Why is that important? It's a two-edged sword. Consumer has theoretically more money to spend. However, that wage pressure continues to put pressure on overall inflation and therefore makes it less likely ultimately that the Fed will cut rates. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, last uh, bullet point last week in terms of data points, and this one really falls in that camp of Bad news is good news. The ISM non-manufacturing or services index. Now, while I've mentioned, we have mentioned manufacturing has been in a recession and the PMI for manufacturing has consistently been below 50, which is demarcation level between expansion and contraction. The services has been pretty solid and really has ranged between 52 and 55 over the last year. 
It was expected to come in at 52.6% uh, for December. actually came in at 506 dangerously close to that 50% demarcation line between contraction and expansion. So that's something for us to keep an eye on in the coming months. But uh, that looks like maybe a crack in the demand uh, for services, possibly here in the U.S. And service inflation has been a big driver to overall inflation. So how did that change investor expectations in terms of Fed funds rate increases? Uh, the expectation now is for the March meeting, 63% chance that the Fed will cut 25 basis points. That's down from the week before. That was at 73%. Um, I'm kind of feeling the other way. We're kind of feeling the other way. The Federal Reserve, after the FOMC meeting in December, two weeks later, they sort of reverse what they said. Powell has, I, I would say. And so I think... We think the likelihood of a rate decrease in March is probably higher than 63%. Um, a lot of pressure for the Federal Reserve to decrease rates. Uh, we talked about this a lot late last year, particularly at our client events in late September, early October. We just pointed out the fact that the U.S. Treasury has so much refunding and new issuance of government bonds over the next year. At that point, it was $7 trillion that it's very, very expensive to keep interest rates as high. So we think there's a lot of pressure for the Fed to cut rates at a schedule more in line with what the market expects. So 63% expectation that we'll get that one rate cut, the first one coming in March of next year. But by the end of next year, and this has been consistent, uh, the Fed funds future has a 99.5% probability that we'll get at least two cuts, 83% odds that we'll get six rate cuts by the end of next year. Remember, Jerome Powell has said they're going to do three next year. The market continues to bet that they're going to do six. I'm not sure if it's going to be a full six, but I think it's going to be more than three. We think it's going to be more than three. So uh, how does this, uh, how does GDP look now, particularly for the fourth quarter, which ended December 31st? 2023, uh, the Atlanta Federal Reserve actually revised their estimate up to 2.5%, up slightly from 2.3%. So again, if we come in at 2.5% for the fourth quarter, that is just a really, really solid year of growth. Early in the year, and I don't remember the exact numbers, but first and second quarter were both between 2.1% and 2.4% growth. Third quarter, 4.9% growth, and we follow that up with a 25 that is a very solid year. So looks like the, the economy was growing at a nice clip through the end of the year. Inflation expectations still have not moved much. Up a little bit last week, but it's up to 2.22%. That's the expectation for a 10-year break-even inflation rate expected in the market over the next 10 years. Inflation average 2.22%. So uh, in, that's it for the economic activity last week. And in terms of how markets reacted, uh, started the year off on a rocky note. Uh, it was interesting. I heard driving in uh, the other day someone lamenting the fact that we've had five days in a row, market down five days in a row, equities in the U.S., uh, without mentioning the fact that we were actually up for eight weeks in a row in the market. So giving back a little bit last week, but really not significant. S&P 500 last week down 1.5%. Uh, 
that was actually led by growth, which of course was the big winner in 2023. Uh, last week, growth US got hit, and in particular, Apple, largest market cap, that or Microsoft on any given day. But Apple down nearly 6% last week on the um, weakness created by two uh, investment bank downgrades of the stock. But so uh, S&P 500 down 1.5% last week. Uh, for full year 2023, S&P 500 up 26.3%. So giving back a little bit in the first week. International also weak, not quite as weak as the S&P 500, but MSCI World down 1.24%. Uh, emerging markets, though, were down worse uh, than the S&P 500, down 2.12%. And that was led by China, down another 2.68%. So China uh, having a very tough time in the equity markets. Last year was down 13.3%, trailed the S&P 500 by 40% last year. So uh, last thing for last week in terms of the markets, fixed income yields rose last week pretty significantly. Two-year up 15 basis points, 10-year up 17 basis points. So the Bloomberg U.S. Aggregate Bond Index was down 1.2%. It did finish 2023, however, up 5.53% after a disastrous uh, return number. I think it was negative 13.3% for 2022. So uh, U.S. aggregate bond index last week down 1.2%. So let's move forward, take a look at what we have this week, the very important metrics this week. It's all really inflation-related, and it all boils down to how quickly the Federal Reserve will reasonably be able to decrease interest rates. Uh, so the first we get is on uh, Thursday for the CPI. For the CPI, uh, the expectation is for both the headline number and the core number, that's CPI minus food and energy, uh, both expected to come in at a positive 0.2% month over month. Uh, that would mean the CPI actually would move up from the month of November, which is only at 0.1. And it means that the core CPI would actually decelerate from a positive 0.3 in November down to positive 0.2%. So actually, um, we always look at, we take a look at inflation. We use a 12-month run rate, but uh, I see a lot of economists are now are really pointing, and this is to make the argument that the Fed can cut sooner, uh, that the inflation battle is over. If you take a look at the six-month inflation numbers, they're actually much, very close to 2%, which is a, the Fed's target. But uh, the other uh, inflation metric this week is on Friday, PPI, core PPI, expectation. Now, in November, both of these numbers were flat, no change month over month. They're both expected to be up slightly. Uh, PPI expected to be up 0.1% in December over November. And core PPI is expected to be up 0.2% month over month. So that's it for the economic recap for this week. We thank you very much for your attendance and hope to see you next week. Thank you.